What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Carolina Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Turner, back again with another special episode. Um, just me today, no Brandon too, uh, no Mead Baskerville like I've had on here before. Uh, just going to solo dolo it today and uh, looking forward to coming on here and talking. Obviously, a few talking points to get to North Carolina with a, a big victory in, in Chapel Hill over Virginia Tech uh, on Monday earlier this week. And also going to preview a couple of games North Carolina has coming up. Most recently, um, Carolina plays Georgia Tech on the 29th. believe that is next Tuesday. So a uh, trip down to Atlanta for the Tar Heels. and not back at home, actually, until the NC State game on the 5th. So a bit of a lull for the, for the Smith Center in North Carolina playing at home. But got some big games coming up on the road at Georgia Tech. And then later that week uh, to Louisville at Louisville, which is going to be a tough game as well. So, But yeah, I just wanted to jump back on here real quick and give you all a little Virginia Tech review. I know it's Friday, a little bit late, like four or five days late, but hey, at least I got on here and, and talked. I was pretty busy this week having to do some stuff, had to work uh, at my other job and, and do some other things, so I haven't been able to get on here as much as I would have liked. Also put out a, a really, really interesting Brandon Robinson article. I really enjoyed writing it. Um, re- really fun one to write. Got to sit down and interview uh, B-Rob for about 10 minutes. Great guy, great dude. Um, and uh, if you haven't, go check that out uh, on my Twitter, at Jacob Turner THI. Also retweeted it on the Carolina Talk Pod Twitter. So go follow me on Twitter there as well, at Carolina Talk Pod. But guys, just happy to get back on here. Let's go ahead and talk about the Virginia Tech game. Really, really big win for the Tar Heels over a top 10 ranked, uh, number 10 ranked Virginia Tech 103 to 82. North Carolina just blew him out of the building, really. Carolina, I actually wrote a story about it after the game, but what my story focused on for that was Carolina's run with the freshmen. They made a really, really big run in the second half. Oh, excuse me, not in the second half, in the second part of the first half that really propelled North Carolina over over the top and really ended the game when you think about it. I think Carolina had a 11 to 15 point lead at halftime because of that. Um, North Carolina, I believe the freshman went on a, so it was a 26 to seven run from, I believe somewhere around the 12 minute mark to the two Oh five mark. I think it was 1227 to two Oh five. Carolina as a team went on a 26 to seven run. 21 of those points were scored by the freshman 11 by Kobe white, seven by Nazir little and three by leaky black. They also, each of them had a few steals. Uh, some assists, uh, some some really just good plays, some rebounds as well. So the freshman really took over in that 10-minute stretch and also helped Carolina to go on a 20-0 run to end the half. I mean, Virginia Tech had no answer for North Carolina, none at all. I believe it was like 22-13 to 13 at the 12-27 mark, and then North Carolina just went on a run and just completely blew Virginia Tech out of the building. And to be honest with you, I was a little bit shocked because, you know, Virginia Tech's a team that, Obviously, Meade, who we've had on the, a lot of the football podcasts before, he's a big Virginia Tech fan, and you know he's kind of been telling me all year. I've kind of been in his ear, joking with him, like, "Hey, man, watch out! Virginia Tech basketball is a thing to a thing to be reckoned with, a force to be reckoned with." Now, and he was kind of always was on a little bit of the reserve side, you know, saying, "Hey, man, haven't really played anybody yet. The only really good team we played before uh, ACC play started, and they weren't even really good. It was Penn State, and we lost to them." I know we only lost one game before ACC. We've only lost like three games now. But, you know, this is a team that we got to prove something and wait till we play some good teams. And 
You know, Virginia Tech started off hot. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker was hitting threes. Uh, Kerry Blackshear Jr., the whole game, was just phenomenal. I don't remember how many points he finished with. I know at one point in the game, he had like 17 points and 17 rebounds late in the second half. Uh, I think he ended up finishing with close to 20 points. He actually ended up finishing with 19 points and 17 rebounds. So he was a beast um, and really impressed me. Nikhil Alexander-Walker had 19 points, was hitting a lot of threes early and then kind of quieted down a little bit after that. Uh, but the leading scorer for them was Ahmed Hill, a senior uh, guard out of Augusta, Georgia, 6'5 guy. I remember him. He kind of had a quiet 20. I don't really remember him out there lighting it up too much. I mean, really, besides that, um, Virginia Tech didn't do too much. Justin Robinson had 17 points. I mean, if you look at Virginia Tech's starting five, you got Robinson had 17. Hill had 20, a game-high 20 for them. Blackshear had 19 and 17. Nikhil Alexander-Walker had 19. I mean, that's a lot of points. I mean, they scored 82 points, and a lot of times that's enough to win. I think Virginia Tech coming into this game was only allowing around 60 points a game. I believe it was in the 60s, maybe uh, yeah, it was in the high 60s, I believe. I think it was like 68 or something like that. And, you know, Virginia Tech was a team that defensively had been pretty solid this year, but they were also a team that played or liked to play slow, but also scored. I think they were, you know, Carolina's like the fifth best scoring team in the country in Division One basketball, and I think Virginia Tech was somewhere in the 60s, but their possessions per game were like in the 350s, you know, pretty much as low as it gets. They only had about 66 possessions per game, but they were scoring close to 80 points with that. So Virginia Tech was an efficient team, uh, top five three-point shooting percentage team in the country. And Virginia Tech was just a team that scared me coming into this game because they like to play slow, but they also put up a lot of points. They were a three-point shooting team that is going to hit down a lot of, uh, knock down a lot of threes, excuse me, in North Carolina, as we've seen for a long time, and no disrespect to Roy Williams, but there's one thing his teams have struggled with all through the time he's been back is guarding the three, driving kick. You can think about any Duke game you want to. Duke game like Duke, if they win, it's usually because we can't guard the driving and kick for the three-point basket. And uh, usually Carolina really struggles with guarding that anyway against anybody. It just is up to the other team on whether they're hitting threes or not and how Carolina responds on the other end of the court. But like I said, Virginia Tech started off well hitting threes. I mean, for the game, they shot 46.4% from three and 44.3% from the field. So not a really a bad game for them at all. But, you know, one of the problems is you look at their stat sheet. All right, four guys are in double figures. That's cool. Let's look at their bench. You got two guys on their bench that played a combined 43 minutes, right? They scored five points. They combined for four rebounds. They combined for three assists. They combined for one turnover. They didn't, they didn't do enough. The bench let them down. They're only playing seven guys. So for me, I don't really, the stat line is deceiving if you look at it. But if you look at the bench, that's the biggest thing. Because if you go down and look at, let's go look at Carolina's bench. Obviously, Carolina put the walk-ons in at the end, blue steel, whatever you want to call them. So Carolina played every single guy that they had available for that game. Um, And if you look at their starting five, Luke May, 14, Garrison Books, 12. Cam Johnson only had eight points. I mean, only eight points for Carolina's leading scorer. Kenny Williams, 10. Kobe White, 27. Kobe White had a monster game. And look, guys, I've been saying it all season, and I'm going to keep saying it. I, I'm, I get the pleasure and, and blessed to be able to watch these guys play in person uh, every time they're in the Smith Center. They've caught a few away games as well, but you know, I'm blessed to be able to see these guys play in person because it's a whole different perspective. And I'm not going to lie, sometimes I do like watching it on TV because I think it's a little bit easier to focus in on 
you know, the TV angles are A1. I mean, the TV angle is the best seat in the house. You get to see things in, in replays and, and other things as well. And sometimes when you're sitting on the upper deck in the media section, it's a weird angle. It's like the corner behind Carolina's bench. Um, but you get to see how hard these guys play. You get to see some of the things and some of the some of the different aspects uh, going on around you that you might not notice on TV. But I've been saying it all year. Every time I watch Kobe White play in person, he is the best player on the team for me. It's not even close. Cam Johnson's had some great games this year. Luke Mays has some good games this year. Nazir Little's had some impressive games this year. But Kobe White has been Carolina's most consistent player. I mean, if you look at how much he's averaging on the season, he's second on the team in scoring right now, just behind Cam Johnson. Cam's averaging 15.5. You know, as a graduate transfer senior, he's played five years of college basketball. Kobe White's averaging 14.9 points per game, 3.2 rebounds, four assists. The only thing that's kind of hurting Kobe White right now, and it's expected because of, A, the way he plays, which is really fast, and B, because of the fact that he's still, what, 18, 19 years old? He's he's allowing 2.9 turnovers per game. That's the high on the team. So he's got to cut down on that. That's for sure. He's got to... If he can get that down below one or close, a little bit above one, he's going to be spectacular. But, I mean, 25 minutes, 14.9 points a game. You know, he's just been spectacular for North Carolina. And what I've always said is he's an alpha dog on the team. And what I mean by that is, I mean, you can see it in the celebrations, that celebration video after Garrison Brooks got the and one with him and Nazir jumping. I mean, you see that a lot from Kobe. He celebrates like that. And it's funny, I've never really seen a guy at any level, even high school basketball celebrate like that. Even professional basketball celebrate like that. So I love it from Kobe White. But one of the things that I was, let me get back to my main point, is Kobe White is an alpha dog. He's the alpha dog on the team. He is a guy that does, hates losing. You can see it in the way he plays. He's a guy that is just such an elite scorer. I mean, like I've, I've said it on this podcast about 100,000 times, but he was the leading scorer in North Carolina basketball history, high school basketball history, excuse me. That's hard to do. I don't care who you are. And Kobe White, he's a 6'5 guard, so he has a lot of matchup problems. Not for him, but for other guys, because most point guards he's going up against are not 6'5. And they're definitely not as athletic and as fast getting to the rim as Kobe White is. So Kobe White, I just can't keep talking about him enough because he's such a fun player to watch. But he's also a guy that you need on your team because he, I mean, he just hates losing. He'll do whatever it takes to win. And and I hate to say it, but Carolina lacks a lot of those guys. I can't really think of anybody else on the team that maybe besides Kenny Williams that you can see when things are going right, he's getting and talking to guys and trying to get things going. Cam Johnson's not that kind of guy. He gets fired up sometimes, but usually it's after he's hitting shots. It's usually based on him playing good. Luke May's a silent guy. I don't know what he says in the locker room or on the bench, but when he's on the court, he doesn't say much. He's not a guy that's going to get up in your face. But Kobe White's kind of like a Joel Berry alpha dog type. He'll let you know if things aren't going right. He's not one of those guys that's going to get in your face like Joel Berry did, but he's a guy that's going to show you with how he plays. And you know, I think he, on the court, it's hard to kind of tell sometimes from where I'm at, but I think he does say stuff to guys and stuff on the bench. But when, you know, the one thing I really like about him is when things are going good, when his teammates are playing good, he's the first one celebrating. He loves it. He, he loves to see his teammates play good and he loves to see his team play well. I think that kind of sets him apart. So, Big ups to Kobe White. I really love watching him play, and hopefully he can continue to keep up this, this fine play for North Carolina. And I'm going to say it again. I've said a few things once on this podcast that I'll say again, especially about Kobe White, but he's the best freshman point guard I've ever seen at North Carolina. Bar none, I don't want to hear your arguments 
I know Joseph Joseph Forte had a great freshman campaign, but I, I didn't see Joseph Forte play. I was born in '95. I don't remember Joseph Forte at all. So um, I think statistically they're relatively close. Close, but I mean Kobe White's just this is another level of basketball now. I think basketball has evolved. You see it in the NBA. I think it's a lot tougher of a game now. And I'm sure all you old heads on here are going to come back and be like, "No, that's not true." And I'm not saying that basketball back then wasn't great because it's always been great it's always been a, it, it was a different type of game back then but in a guard heavy not league but in a guard heavy basketball now where NBA is all guards it seems like even the big guys are like guards now college is a little bit more on the old school side where you've got a lot of big men and having a big man or a couple of big men that can produce for you as we've seen with North Carolina every time they win a national championship literally every time they win a national championship they have a big man or one or two who get it done down low. 2017, Kenny Meeks, Isaiah Hicks. 2009, Tyler Hansborough, Deion Thompson, Ed Davis. 2005, you got the likes of Jawai Williams who could step out and hit a three. Sean May, one of the best players in the country that year. Um, those guys produced. Those guys were big men that could get it done for North Carolina. Even 93, Eric Montross, you know. So you got to have a big man to win a national title here at Carolina. Carolina does not really have that. And I think the fact that Kobe White is able to do so much in a guard-heavy type of basketball now speaks more volumes than it may speak of Joseph Forte, who back then it was a little bit more of a big man game more than it is now. So that's all I'm really trying to say in terms of that. But let's get back to the Virginia Tech game. Sorry about going off on that little tangent, but I like to speak on Kobe White because, like I said, I, I've been really impressed with him. And in my lifetime, he's the best freshman point guard I've ever seen in North Carolina, bar none, not even close. So Kobe White, 27 points. Um, seven rebounds, six assists against Virginia Tech. Three turnovers, if you can cut down on that. I know Roy Williams mentioned that after the game. He still wants him to cut down on that, and he needs to. But besides that, I mean, as a freshman, you can't ask for anything more than that. I mean, he's 27 points against a top-10 team. I mean, come on. Uh, Nazir Little, 20 minutes, 23 points, six rebounds, three assists, two turnovers, seven of 12 shooting from the field, seven of seven from the line, two of three from three-point range. I don't really care about all that other stuff. It's great. His shooting percentage is great. Um, rebounds, assists are, are okay, but 23 points in 20 minutes is great. That is that is awesome for me. If he can do that every game, if he can just give us or give North Carolina somewhere, I'm thinking in the 15 range. Give me 15 a game. You know, you'll score in the 20s occasionally, mid to high 20s. That'll happen. But if you can just give us somewhere around 15 a game, I think he's averaging like 10.4 now. If he can get that average up to like 15, man, this Carolina team is going to be even better because Nazir Little. I know he's a true freshman. He's dealt with a lot of, for lack of a better word, trash talking from from fans, air quotes on that one, haters as well, people who just want to hate on North Carolina, want to hate on freshmen who aren't getting it done. People compare him to Zion all the time, blah, blah, blah. But last three games, Nazir Little has stepped up, 23 points. I think he was, I think Kobe White was a player of the game against Virginia Tech, but Nazir Nazir Little wasn't far behind him. They both did some really nice things, not only in that stretch in the first half, but just throughout the game. And you can just tell, how good Nazir Little is going to be. And I think he's starting to figure it out last three games, um, not only in ACC play, but just the last three Carolina games overall, which have all been ACC games. Nazir Little is is, is um, shot in double or scored in double figures. So that's big for North Carolina. And I'm um, excited to see how uh, he can continue to develop because I think he's a player that is getting more comfortable and that's important for North Carolina. So good game from Nazir Little. Um, Brendan Robinson, uh, 12 minutes, didn't have anything on the stat sheet, really. Two assists, one rebound. But uh, he had that really good pass in the second half. Can't remember who it was to. 
uh, with his kind of was standing on the uh, three-point line-ish in the second half and kind of dished it down low with that quick one-handed pass. I thought that was beautiful. That was a great play by B-Rob. Also had a big charge in the first half on Justin Robinson that got him to his third foul that really completely changed the game. That was a huge factor, the fact that Justin Robinson had to sit a lot in the first half. So B-Rob got the most minutes off the bench besides Nazir Little. Seventh Wood, seven minutes, two points, one steal, one assist, one rebound, but three turnovers. So not a great game from Seventh Woods. But everybody played for Carolina, really. Aliki Black, seven minutes, three points, one steal, two assists. Also had a big steal in that run and, and assisted a Kobe White three in that run and also hit another uh, big three in that first half run for North Carolina. So, you know, the whole team really contributed in some kind of way. But Kobe White and Azir Little were definitely the player of the game. Uh, Garrison Brooks had eight early points for North Carolina. They kept a minute when Carolina was not shooting well from the three-point range. They were kind of breaking everything uh, early in that game. And Garrison Brooks got Carolina's eight points early and really kept them in that game or kept things interesting for a little bit. Only finished with 12, but still, I thought that was really important. Yeah, overall, I think North Carolina played a really good game. Shot 53.7% from the field, 47.1% from three, 88% from, from field goal range. Or not, excuse me, not from field goal, from free throw range. So, Really good performance in North Carolina. I mean, if you can beat Virginia Tech by 21 at home, you, that's great. That's all you can really ask for. It's going to be a different story. I think Carolina does have to play at Virginia Tech later this season, if I'm not mistaken. That'll be an interesting game. That's going to be a lot more difficult for North Carolina, especially after how Carolina kind of beat down on Virginia Tech earlier this week. So, Oh, actually, they do not play at Virginia Tech. Excuse me. So that was the only game this season that they will have to play Virginia Tech. So that's good. That should uh, bode well for North Carolina. So only having to play one team, one of the best in the ACC right now, at home and getting a big victory over them uh, should be a confidence booster and will be good for North Carolina going forward. But overall, 103-82 victory, 21-point win for North Carolina at home to a good Virginia Tech team. Uh, Really, really impressive win for the Tar Heels. And um, now on a three-game winning streak after that Louisville loss, and they've won seven out of their last eight. And that's really, you can't really ask for anything more than that from this North Carolina team. So let's go ahead and move on and preview a little bit of this uh, Georgia Tech game coming up on Tuesday. I know it's still a, a while away, but we can go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Georgia Tech, a team that's sitting at 11-8 and eight on the year, uh, have a decent season. They're not really, they're kind of a team that has been the same for the past few years. Uh, they're never really competing for anything in ACC. They're kind of a mid, middle of the league, bottom of the league kind of team. It's a team that I know Carolina lost to in Atlanta uh, in their national championship run in 2017. But you know, this year, this is a game that North Carolina should be winning easily over a Georgia Tech team that, I mean, if you look at their stat line, they've got two only two guys that average in double figures. Jose Alvarado, uh, 13.8 points a game, and James Banks, the third, 11.2 points a game. Besides that, I mean, the next two leading scorers average 9.6 in Brandon Austin and 8.8 in Michael DeVoe. So they're not a team really that scares me at all, and it shouldn't scare North Carolina. I mean, they're not really going to have a huge crowd at Georgia Tech. They never really do, even for a team like Carolina. It's not really a hostile environment to go into in Atlanta. But still, they got to come out and play. And one of the good things for Georgia Tech, a lot of people might not realize, or for the Georgia Tech matchup with North Carolina, is they actually have to play at Duke uh, on the 26th. So that is, I'm recording this on Friday. That's on Saturday at noon. So Carolina's got, I mean, more than a week off to prepare for Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's got a quick turnaround having to play again on Tuesday back home. So that should bode well for North Carolina. I fully expect a win over Georgia Tech. And if they don't, if they lay a dud like they did against Louisville, then, you know, things go from a 
really good performance against Virginia Tech to a, a horrible performance against Georgia Tech for because for Carolina to lose to Georgia Tech in Atlanta. I know it's on the road, but still, they're going to they're gonna have to play a pretty poor game. So it, it, that would be a, a very bad loss for North Carolina. But overall, like I said, if you look at this team statistically, nothing really scares you. If you look at the teams they've beaten this year, they beat Notre Dame, who's really, really struggling this year. They're not a good team. They just don't really have the depth to be. Uh, Syracuse, they beat Syracuse, which is an impressive win. They beat Syracuse by 14 at Syracuse. That's a weirdest scoreline, or one of the weirdest scorelines I've seen of the year, but that just kind of speaks on how fluctuating and how weird the ACC is right now. They've also lost to Clemson by 12 in South Carolina. Uh, They lost to Louisville at home by 28 points. Just a blowout win for Louisville, who's really impressive right now, doing some really nice things. Uh, Louisville coming off that win last night over NC State. So Louisville's a team that scares me. I know Carolina's got to go play them after the Georgia Tech game, so not looking forward to that one. And the Tar Heels probably are looking forward to it. A little revenge game, which could probably help them out. That's going to be a tough trip, excuse me, to Louisville, Kentucky for the Tar Heels. But like I said, if you look at Georgia Tech right now, they're sitting at 3-3 and in the ACC. Nothing spectacular. Um, They've beaten Arkansas earlier in the year, Um, but they've also lost to the likes of St. John's, Garner-Webb. They lost to Garner-Webb by 10. Um, They've beaten ECU. They lost to Tennessee earlier in the year. Um, So they're a team that sometimes they win, really. It's weird. Sometimes they have good wins, and then sometimes they lose to teams that they have no right and should not be losing to, like Gardner-Webb, arguably St. John's. So it should be a routine victory for North Carolina, but like I said, an ACC play, you never know. And it'll be interesting to see how Georgia Tech competes against against a Duke team that is a lot better than them, but you never know. They've already Duke's already lost to Syracuse at home, who Duke is a lot better than Syracuse. So we'll see what happens, you know. Syracuse beat Duke. Georgia Tech beat Syracuse. So you never know what can happen, but fully expecting Duke to just completely trounce them because Duke's on a roll. They're a good team and uh, definitely a team that I'm not necessarily looking forward to playing later in the year, but that's always a fun one to watch. So you never know what will happen in that UNC-Duke rivalry game. Guys, that's kind of that's gonna do it for me today. I don't really have much more to say. I don't really want to go into a preview of the Louisville game because it's so far away from now. It's not so, believe late next week can't believe can't remember if it's on the weekend or if it's a Friday game I can't remember off the top of my head but Carolina big victory of Virginia Tech uh, also had that really impressive victory at Miami um, last weekend not a lot to talk about in that one either North Carolina played all right Miami kept it close we're hitting shots and then kind of what everybody predicted Miami only playing a six seven man rotation uh, I only have like six scholarship guys available right now with suspensions and injuries and you know, they kind of tired down at the end. It's kind of what everybody expected and weren't able to keep up. And Carolina ends up winning by nine points after some late free throws. And Miami was kind of forced to foul and, and whatnot. So really looking forward to seeing what North Carolina can do over these next few games. At Georgia Tech should be a win if I had to predict it. And then we'll come back on here next week because Carolina's got a difficult stretch coming up. They got Louisville at Louisville. Then they got NC State in, in, in Chapel Hill. That's their next home game. That's an 8 p.m. game on the 5th of February and then they got to uh, take on Miami at home again and UVA at home as well so Carolina going on a little bit of a, a break right now but they'll be back with three consecutive home games here over the next few weeks so be a lot of basketball being played in Chapel Hill and still a lot of basketball to be played this season guys but that's gonna do it for me thanks again for coming back on here like I said I say it every podcast if you haven't already please go follow me on Twitter at Jacob Turner THI you have live, in-game, post-game, 
uh, pregame coverage from Chapel Hill every time they play. You'll have articles I write about Carolina for Tar Heel Illustrated. Be sure to follow Tar Heel Illustrated as well at Heel Illustrated. But be sure to follow me there and also be sure to follow me at Carolina Talk Pod. Uh, a lot of good things over there. That's where you'll find all the podcasts. Also do a lot of polls during uh, before and after games. I don't tweet on there as much as I'd like to. I, I do it on my personal account now because it's more linked to what um, uh, my professional uh, career and whatnot. So not as much tweeting on Carolina Talk Pod, but you'll still see a lot of cool things up there and that's where you can find all the podcasts you can also find the podcast on anchor on spotify and on apple podcasts there's other places you can find it too but the other websites that it gets posted to i don't think at least according to the analytics a lot of people are using and are listening to on there so no no need to be really mentioning that but north carolina right now sitting at 15 and 4 11th best team in the country might even go up if they can beat georgia tech um come monday but right now things are looking good Carolina's in sole possession. Well, I don't know if they're still in sole possession of first place, but they were at one point five and one in the ACC. And you really can't ask for a better start. Besides that Louisville blip, I think Carolina has had a spectacular start to ACC season, and they're continuing to to grow. They're continuing to get better. If they could get Sterling Manley back, I think that would help them a lot. Just having another big man down there, another body uh, to to help give them some depth down there. Brooks has kind of been forced to do it all since Luke May's kind of that stretch four guy doesn't necessarily want to go down low, and, and he's not really necessarily good at going down low and banging around. So getting Manly back will definitely help. And and if Nazir Little can continue to play as he has over the past few games, then it's almost like getting a whole new player and, and like a whole new freshman um, in there because Nazir Little, he was struggling at the beginning of the year and, and it's starting to pick it up now. So hopefully everybody will stop talking about him and, and we'll just focus on this North Carolina team as a whole. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. Um, like I said, this podcast is available on Anchor, on Spotify, on Apple. So go listen to it on all your streaming or your favorite streaming sites. Excuse me. And uh, we'll be back on here soon. Going to try to get a, a podcast out early next week. But there will definitely be at least one coming out next week as well. Thank you so much, guys. And uh, we'll see you next time. Pack it up, pack it in. Let me begin. Packing the wind. Battle me. That's a sin. I won't ever slack up. Punk it better back up. Try and play the role in your Let's up on fluff, someone's fucking jump, yeah, I'll bust them in the eye, and then I'll take the punks out, feeling. <laughs>